Welcome to Charlotte Readers Podcast. Beyond 300, where authors still give voice to their written words. And yet, there's more. More hosts, more authors featured in each episode. More book recommendations. More conversations about writing, book marketing, and the business of writing. And more engagement with you, the listener. Hey, I'm Landis Wade. I'm a recovering trial lawyer who came up with the idea of Charlotte Readers Podcast to bring readers and writers together, find good books to read, and explore questions related to the magic of writing. I've written four lighthearted legal thrillers that double as mysteries, the most recent of which is titled Deadly Declarations. I want to thank you for spending some of your valuable time with us today. Please meet my wonderful co-hosts. Hey, I'm Hannah LaRue. I'm a publicist and digital marketing specialist for artists across the creative spectrum, the founder of Spellbound PR, a boutique marketing and public relations firm. I'm also an avid reader and writer who enjoys talking and writing about good books, and I'm super excited to be a part of the podcast. Hi, I'm Sarah Archer. I've wanted to be a writer since I was seven years old, which led me to screenwriting, sketch comedy, work in the film and TV industry in Los Angeles, and my traditionally published debut novel, The Plus One. I enjoy talking about reading and writing and can't wait to do that with you on this podcast. In this episode 301, in addition to learning more about the new co-hosts of Charlotte Rear's podcast and the new format for the show, we feature today three local award-winning authors, Mark Kastrick, Judy Goldman, and Kathy Pickens, where we talk about their thriller, memoir, and true crime books. Plus, we have a number of book recommendations for you, and we address this writing marketing question. Can participation in a critique group and engagement in writing community help your writing, build your audience, and market your books long-term? And during that segment, we feature one of our blog post authors, Sita Romero, who talked about finding support in the writing community. The Charlotte Readers Podcast is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network. Listen to your city at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. Hey, Sarah, and hey, Hannah. Welcome to this uh, episode of, uh, what is it, 301 of Charlotte's Podcast, Beyond 300. Thank you. Thanks. I'm <laughs> excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have y'all as co-hosts on the show. This is our this is our meet the host or update the host. I'm not sure what we're going to call it yet, but whatever it is, we're going to meet y'all <laughs> today because you're new to the podcast, and I'm so thankful that y'all are joining me on the show going forward and listeners y'all are in for a treat because uh, they bring a lot of you know a lot of experience um i don't think their combined ages reaches my age but still they bring a lot of experience to the to the page right uh in a lot of different ways but so uh i guess first of all um hannah and sarah why did y'all want to do this thing called podcasting um well, for me, I guess, like, I've known you for a while, Landis, and I remember just, like, a funny story, like, how we connected was years ago. I was sitting in a Airbnb in Belgium, and <laughs> I was, like, <laughs> listening to Charlotte Ears podcast, and I'm like, you know what? It'd be cool to work with this guy. Let me just hit him up and see what happens. <laughs> and so that's what I did, and we've kind of had a standing friendship and partnership for quite a while now. So I think just watching you kind of do your thing was really fun for me. And so um, I don't know, because of that and just loving to read and all that kind of thing, like it seemed like a good, fun fit. So I was honored to be asked. Yeah, no, it was, it was great. That's, that's fun. When you, when you contacted me, 
years ago and said, hey, can I help you with publicity with a podcast? It took me like a, a nanosecond <laughs> to say, well, hell yeah, absolutely. Please, <laughs> yeah. please do. <laughs> I was nervous, too. I was like in in this random like country. I'm just like, I yeah. wonder what he's going to say. Yeah. So it worked out. This is, this is sort of our <laughs> secret. This is sort of our secret plug just to show how far the reach of Charlotte's podcast is, right? It yeah. made it all the way to Leuven, <laughs> Belgium. So <laughs> That's great. And then also, I, I was really excited, uh, Sarah, when you said yes to the question about podcasting. But uh, tell us why you're interested in trying this out. Yeah, well, I was, same thing. I was really honored and excited when you reached out and asked me to participate as well. I discovered this podcast, I think, about three years ago, right around the time that I moved to Charlotte. Um, and I think I met you maybe initially through the Charlotte Writers Club. And there have just been so many great authors on this show, people I've met here in person in Charlotte and writers from other parts of the country and other parts of the world. Um, and I'm always excited to hear who's going to be on and just the interviews that kind of get deeply into the writing process and inspiration and all of that. And I'm a writer. I'm a big reader. One of my goals is to read more because um, mm. I feel like even though I love reading and writing, I spend so much time just reading things for um, critique groups, which I know is a topic we're going to get into a little <laughs> bit later on this episode. But I love doing that, but I almost never actually make time to read real books. <laughs> so um, that's something that, you know, as somebody who wants to write books, I should probably be doing. <laughs> so yeah. this is a great opportunity for me to, you know, expand my reading too and meet new authors and talk with Hannah and Landis. And, yeah, that's, um, that's great. And, and we're going to actually, you're going to actually confess that you have been reading some other books. So we're going to get to the what we're reading section today as well in one of our acts today. But hey, look, I think it, um, I think people who've been listening know me. I mean, I've, I've been talking in 300 episodes here. So it's time, I think, they got to know y'all a little bit better. Uh, let's, let's talk about, uh, you know, some of the basics, where you're from, what your dog's names are, that kind of thing. So Hannah, tell us, uh, you know, you're in the low country of South Carolina and mm -hmm. tell us about your dogs. Yeah, that's the those are the real stars of the show. Honestly, they're <laughs> right next to me right now. <laughs> um, yeah, I live in Charleston now. I'm from Chapel Hill, so I'm a Tar Heel through and through. Um, I definitely, you know, when I first moved down here, people would be like, "Well, are you a Carolina fan?" And they meant <laughs> South Carolina, like University of South Carolina. I'm like, "What do you mean? <laughs> like, wrong Carolina." So um, you know, yeah, I've been in Charleston now, but always kind of a North Carolina girl. And um, my dogs are Gracie and Fiona, and they're two like identical twin black golden doodles, and they're just like the best things ever. So <laughs> I love yeah. them so much. And and I'm a, you know the audience will know. I think because I've told them that uh, maybe not on the show, but certainly in some posts that uh, I lost, uh, we lost our two rescue dogs, Gus and Lori, um, who helped me write my latest novel. Gus more than Lori. Lori didn't have the patience. Gus, <laughs> Gus is more of a novel writer. Lori's more of a flash fiction writer, as I recall. But uh, Hannah's been, uh, you've been conspiring with my wife uh, to get, yeah. to get us another dog. So we'll probably have another dog in our future sometime soon but uh well let's let's shift over here sarah uh because you you're a big dog lover too but uh, i remember sarah from when i had you on the on the podcast that uh you moved around a lot right mm -hmm. before you settled in uh concord right yeah exactly so i'm from north carolina too grew up in raleigh went to unc chapel hill so go heels <laughs> yeah <laughs> and um then i moved out to los angeles and i was working in the film and entertainment business out there um, and then I moved to St. Martin. I decided to take my 
extremely white self and put myself right on the equator for two years, which <laughs> required a lot of sunscreen, but it was a lot of fun. Um, and then from there, I was back in Chapel Hill briefly, then England, New York City, Miami, and came back here to North Carolina a couple of years ago. Um, so I'm right outside of Charlotte, and I've been really enjoying getting into the literary community here and meeting people. Um, and I do have a dog, too, who is in another room right now because he's a pug, so he's very... <laughs> he makes a lot, of, a lot of background noises. Yeah. <laughs> so unless we want to have that little, you know, snorting trap on the podcast, right. I'm probably going to try I love pugs. They're so funny. What's, <laughs> what's the pug's name? His name is William. William. We had a bulldog growing up. He did have that kind of... You know, problem with the snout. Uh, his name was Rocky, and uh, he chased one too many cars, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, um, yeah, so dogs are going to be a part of this. Uh, I did not realize that I had two Tar Heels on here. And just to balance things out, I went to Wake Forest, you know. Well, I have family <laughs> well, who went to yeah, Duke and yeah, NC yeah. State. So okay, so I, we're going to spread the I'm, love. Yeah. Spread the love. <laughs> House divided love out. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I like uh, Wake, Wake Forest okay. It was yeah, the Chris yeah. Paul era, which was yeah, fun to watch for yeah. basketball. So <laughs> Yeah. Davis undergrad, Wake Forest Law School. So I'll take I'll take oh, nice. that. But uh, yeah. so um a little bit about um you know what y'all been doing and everything that kind of feeds into the podcast here. Um Hannah, you already mentioned, you know, you kinda connecting with me because you're listening to podcasts, but you're tell tell our listeners kind of what you do. Um you're a book publicist. You're a, a, a deep thinker when it comes to helping authors market and promote their books. Yeah. Um, it's kind of hard. I feel like whenever people ask me like what I do, it's, it's like, I don't know. I'm like a wizard, I guess. Like <laughs> I do like 80 different things. No, but really it's, I, I started working, I guess about 10 years ago now with a publicist who is doing primarily book marketing work and PR. Um, and so I, I started out doing kind of traditional PR, which, you know, is kind of like the more media tour relations, uh, book tours, stuff like that. And um, over the years, I've kind of expanded more into digital marketing, too. So I work with a lot of different creative people. It's kind of one of those things where, like, if you've made something, I'm kind of there and, you know, I'm the, I'm the hype man behind whatever that is. So, um, but I kind of like to put, put it like it's traditional PR with a digital spin. It's, it's something like I like to get really creative with the ways that I connect readers with writers and, um, or, you know, bands with listeners, stuff like that. I work, I do a lot of different stuff in that kind of general realm. Um, but yeah, and so I've, I've also worked kind of with um, newspapers and different media outlets and stuff like that and editorial firms. And that kind of brought me to start my own firm. And the Spellbound was sort of like the perfect thing for me to call it, I think, just because it was a little quirky i love the magic magician <laughs> type of feel so <laughs> that's kind of how all of that came to be <laughs> well my wife janet has a wand you know harry potter wand. do you have a wand me too you, you have a wand? i have a ron weasley wand like in <laughs> my house does right it light now. up does it does it light up <laughs> <laughs> no it doesn't does hers yeah she's got one that lights Dang. up so you know you can have advanced to up your game and, <laughs> yeah. I, I, and i have to say listeners that uh hannah has been great to work with uh not only as a publicist for the podcast but then when i my latest book came out um she's been if you've seen all the crazy stuff i've been doing she and i've been putting our heads together to make that happen so um uh, you know yeah i'm wearing costumes i'm doing all kind of crazy <laughs> things but uh hannah's been great in sort of planning helping oh. me plan all this and and help get that uh, book out in the world so uh plus she has uh 
twice the amount of energy as most human beings. So uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's it's lessened a little bit lately. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. do you want to tell them why, Hannah? <laughs> yes, I'm having my first baby girl this September. Yeah, so congratulations! She's been yeah. stealing a bunch of my energy, and I'm just bad about that. So <laughs> no, it'll be worth it. <laughs> you're back. You're back to 100 percent energy now. So you're you're just yeah. I'm like 90. I don't know. I always for me it's like 60 percent, but for other people they're like okay well that's it's, it's like 110 percent for me so you're doing great <laughs> that's great so, whatever <laughs> well that's that's great and uh you know you're going to bring this background we're going to have discussions uh in beyond 300 about book marketing and writing and mm-hmm. you've also contributed as a writer uh and you're really into book recommendations so that'll be great too so yeah. uh, but sarah let's talk a little bit about uh you and some of the things that uh, you've done that i think are going to be interesting to our listeners here uh, of mm-hmm. course they can go listen I think I listened to both of you on the podcast, but they can go listen to you, Sarah, when we talked uh, about your novel, The Plus One, which was uh, your traditionally published novel. Tell our listeners a little bit about that book, and then we'll talk about screenplay writing a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So The Plus One is my first novel, um, which was published a couple of years ago. And it's a romantic comedy, but it it also technically is sci-fi, even though I think it reads more like a rom-com. But it's set in Silicon Valley, and it's about a robotics engineer who builds the perfect boyfriend. Um, Mm -hmm. But then, of course, everything goes wrong, and she starts developing feelings for him, and it kind of spirals out of control. Um, So it was a really fun thing to write and to promote and kind of see people's reactions to it. Um, And yeah, I I enjoy writing rom-coms, but I also love reading and writing other genres too. And that's something that I've kind of been working on more recently is like branching out and pivoting into other areas as well. So I'm sure that we can talk about that in future episodes. And I'm excited to read, you know, books from across the spectrum. Yeah. And you just sold a screenplay, right? Yeah, I just sold my first uh, feature screenplay, which is um, also a romantic comedy. <laughs> All right. Ensemble so story. Uh, we love to laugh here on Stroller's Woo-hoo! Podcast. So, yeah, 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 exactly. A little humor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I like, I like all sorts of comedies. I like dark comedies, too. I've been watching the movie Welcome to the Dollhouse, um, which is like this movie from the 90s. It's a very dark, weird indie comedy. So I'm always looking for something <laughs> funny and offbeat. Um, but yeah, I just sold the screenplay. And I'm actually tomorrow going to be getting my first round of notes from the studio. So... I'll be disappearing into my writing hole and <laughs> working on those and hopefully come out the other side with something good. All right. That's, that's great. Awesome. Well, uh, listeners, we're going to do, I'm going to flip it over and they're going to kind of quiz me a little bit here about the changes uh, to, to the podcast and what we're doing and why we're doing it. So, Hey, y'all got a question for me. Well, before we get into the, the beyond 300 new version of the podcast, can you just talk a little bit about how you first started the podcast and kind of where you got the idea? Yeah, sure. That that um, guy spent a long time ago, three years ago. Uh, I was uh, I was trying to figure out what I was going to do um, when I retired from the law firm, and I decided I would do something I knew nothing about, which was start a podcast. So uh, I was actually getting a massage at the time. I had a bad back, and the person who was giving the massage had been in radio. Uh, Sarah Viver, shout out to you if you're out there. Uh, she was uh, a DJ down in Austin, Texas, and she was talking me through it, and she had a little passed to a podcast studio. I said, will you show me how to do this? Take me over and push the buttons. And so um, I went over and pulled a couple of people from my critique group. Hey, we're actually planting a seat here for our discussion. Today we're talking about critique groups. And uh, Paul Krizeha, who was in my critique group at the time, was my first guest and one other came right after. And I just kind of experimented with it and wanted to see what it would be like. And really my goal was um, kind of, it wasn't very big at that time. I was just wanting to uh, learn more about writing, interview people about, you know, their writing and what they were doing with their books and kind of start building a community because um, 
yeah, I've been hanging out with lawyers for like 35 years. You know, I need, I need to hang out with creatives now. And I wanted to learn from creative people. So that first step was just kind of, let's give this thing a shot, see what happens. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I, the first season was about eight or 11 authors who were local authors. And, you know, from there, um, I, I really wasn't prepared for what happened when, you know, things shut down because I was recording everything in a studio. Uh, but what happened was it opened the podcast up to authors well beyond the Charlotte region. I mean, I was able to record over the internet. And so what started out is just, you know, kind of Charlotte's podcast where Charlotte authors give voice to the written words. People started driving from other places to be in the studio. And then when we had to get out of the studio because of the pandemic, Basically, we've now recorded with authors in 30 states and four countries. Um, about 50% of the authors are, you know, kind of regional, but the others are from all over. And that's kind of what I like because we're able to, with this magical thing, speaking of magic from earlier, with this magical <laughs> thing called virtual podcasting, we can bring authors in and feature authors, um, you know, from all over the place. And it's really fun. I think, Hannah, you set up the interview we had with Lisa Jewell. She was in mm-hmm. London. I'm here. I think the connection was better than some connections I've had with authors across town. And she was, she was wonderful to interview. I love her so much. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. Well, so what made you want to kind of, you know, alter the format then? Like what, what is beyond the 300 exactly? Yeah. Well, you know, podcasting is not for the faint of heart when it comes to, (laughs) when it comes to planning and scheduling and everything. And what I was finding is, is, is we got, more listeners and more people found out about us and more publicists found out, more authors found out. Everybody wants to be on the podcast, right? If you've got a book. Mm-hmm. Every, so I was getting, been getting 50, 75, 100 submissions a month. And it was, you know, I don't like saying no. And it was getting, you know, I was trying to figure out how do I do this thing? Cause I was doing a single interview with a single author on a show. And I was doing a lot of prep time. I was reading the books. I was creating the show notes. I was doing all these different things. And, I had so much fun writing this book, Hannah, that you've been helping me promote that uh, I want to write the sequel to it. And I don't want it to take three years. I want to get it. <laughs> and so I figured, less than that. <laughs> yeah, much less than that. Uh, you know, maybe I can get it out in a year. But to do that, I thought, you know, I need to make some changes. And I thought for just a, a little bit, I thought, should I stop at 300 and call it a, you know, just say it was a lot of fun. And yet I started thinking about all the people I met, the community, what we're doing, I said, well, let me talk to Hannah about this. And you and I, Hannah, we kicked it around and you encouraged <laughs> me to keep thinking about things. And then I thought, well, you know, Sarah, she did that interview on the podcast and she was really good at it when she did it. And I'm going to just also reach out to her. And I thought it'd be kind of fun to have two other people that are energetic, that like reading, that like writing. And maybe we could start doing some different things with the podcast, which I guess gets into the next question, right? What, what else are we going to do? Yeah, what are we gonna do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't you know? Don't tell you us. know? <laughs> tell us, please. That's your idea. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, we're still gonna feature authors, but we're gonna do uh, some different things. We're not gonna. Uh, we're gonna feature more authors in each episode. Um, we're not gonna do as lengthy an interview as we did before, but we still want to help authors give voice to the written words. You know, the, the ability of authors to get on radio or, or to get their books publicized in newspapers and print media is much harder today. And so we're going to provide that service. Uh, we don't charge people, but you know, they got to have an interesting book. They got to really work at it. We, so we want to get more authors on there. We're going to do it in different ways. We're going to do shorter interviews. 
We're going to use this thing called SpeakPipe uh, where we can reach out to authors. They can leave us some audio. We can put it on the podcast. And and then, you know, because I wanted to – podcasting has got to be fun in order to stick with it, you know. And, you know, I'm not saying that I wasn't having fun uh, because I really the, – the best part of what I did was when I sat down to do the interview with the author. But there's a lot more that goes into getting a podcast out than just the interview. So I had to do the prep work, had to get everything lined up. I had to put it out there, edit it, everything. Um, so I thought, well, how can I do this to still have fun and engage with authors? Uh, okay, we'll create a new format. We'll call it Beyond 300. I'll get more hosts. Hannah's got as much energy as two. Sarah's got a bunch of energy to also. <laughs> get them on. Get them energized. We'll start getting more people in uh, and have some fun doing it. And we'll start talking about... Uh, writing and marketing topics and kicking things around that are fun. And we'll have some of our guests add to that as well. And hopefully, um, listeners, since we've got this thing called SpeakPipe, we're going to have you actually, you know, you can call in and leave us a message and, uh, you know, we might put you on the air. Uh, you know, you can make a book recommendation, talk about maybe uh, what you're, uh, you know, what you're reading and maybe talk about uh, someone you like to have on the show. Give us some feedback. Ask us a question of something you want us to talk about on the show. And we'll we'll put you on or send it an email and we'll put that in there too. So, you know, kind of more of an interactive thing and kind of build the reading and writing community. I guess I should say this too because maybe this is our warning, our disclaimer. These shows are going to be longer, okay? Now, hopefully they're going to be engaging, right? <laughs> <laughs> they're going to be longer but engaging. And I, Somebody once asked me, says, what is the optimal time for a podcast? And I did the research and I found out it's the point at which the podcast becomes boring, right? And if it's, if it's, you know, if you're having a good experience, you know, um, it can be as long as it can be. But what, what we're going to do is we're going to be right up front with you. It's going to be an hour or more. We might have some episodes that are an hour and a half, depending on, you know, the number of authors we feature in an episode. But what we're telling you is there's this little button on your audio device. If you want to move it forward to hear the writing talk or you move it forward to hear another author or you want to listen to half of it on your walk and another half on your no walk the next day, or maybe you want to listen to all of it while you're traveling in a car. That's great, you know, we, however you want to consume it. But because it's going to be a longer show, we're going to put it out. This is how I convinced Hannah and Sarah to do this, right? We're going to put it out only twice a month, right? And we're going to try to record them closer in time to when we release them. So you're going to get the show on the, uh, on the second Tuesday and the last Tuesday of every month. And if, you know, all goes according to plan and the creek doesn't rise. You'll get a newsletter early in the month that'll tell you what's coming. Um, and what am I leaving out, folks? Y'all know what's going on. We've been talking about this stuff. Yeah, we've also <laughs> been working on um, the show notes for the website. Exactly. For your podcast Talk about that. Player, yeah. Which will um, be a little bit more in-depth maybe than before. So if you want to kind of look through what's in the episode and maybe you want to listen to a certain author, but you don't have time to listen to the whole episode or you want to hear the marketing talk or something like that, you can kind of find what's in the episode and jump around and see what's interesting to you. That's right. And Hannah, because uh, she is the book whisperer, she's going to lead us uh, in each episode on our book recommendations. Right, Hannah? Yeah, I think that'll be something that's really fun to talk about, too, and just kind of new books that are coming out within the coming months and that kind of thing. So just sort of, I don't know, I've always been a sucker for just following reading lists online and stuff like that and just kind of knowing what's happening in the book world. So I think that'll be a lot of fun for us to kind of kick around and as well as for the listeners, kind of tell us what they're reading, too, because 
I love just learning about new stuff that everyone's reading in different genres and that kind of thing. Yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. So, all right, well, we're going to actually uh, move on to something else. Uh, this segment here is a little longer than normal because uh, we, I wanted everybody to get to know Hannah and Sarah a little bit uh, before we kick into this uh, further. You'll learn more about us and about their dogs too, I'm sure. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> before it's over. Um, so there you go. Charlotte Readers Podcast Beyond 300 is about you, the listener. We want your feedback, opinions, recommendations, and questions. Email us or leave us a voice message and you might hear us mention you or play your message on the podcast. Just go to the homepage or contact page at charlottereaderspodcast.com and look for the links to email us or leave a voice message. It's easy to do. Let's have some fun together. All right, we're on uh, scene two of Act One and uh, we've got an author feature here for you. Um, I'm going to take the lead on this to introduce uh, our author, um, We've got uh, Mark Kastrick. Uh Mark is a friend of the podcast. Mark actually uh, helped me very early on in the podcast to do a number of videos to help promote the podcast very early on. You can actually go to the Charlotte's Podcast website and see those on our vlog. You can scroll back and see some of the early authors that were filmed um, in these little four- and five-minute interviews that Mark Kastrick filmed. Because Mark is not only a novelist, but he's uh, been in the film industry and doing things uh, with broadcasting, that kind of thing. Anyway, Mark is uh, not a very prolific author. He's only written uh, 21 books. <laughs> He's uh, including two in a series. Um, and his latest book, which I have an advanced reader copy of, it comes out in October of this year, 2022, but it's called uh, Secret Lives. A little bit different than what, what he's done before um, because he's had these two series that uh, he's he's written uh one, uh, but both of them kind of set outside of Charlotte. One set in Asheville. Uh, the other one set in a funeral home uh, because Mark actually grew up in a funeral home. And those are fun mysteries. But this thriller um, introduces a new character, Ethel Fiona Crestwater. She's a 75-year-old retired FBI agent who now rents rooms to active agents. And she is the smartest and most fearless of any in her household. And Mark says, picture Ruth Bader Ginsburg as an FBI agent, and you got the idea. What does that, how does that sound to y'all? Pretty good, I love right? it. Yeah. I'm in. That sounds great. <laughs> it, it was actually a lot of fun to read, uh, and, you know, it's it's a, uh, Mark told me that he's going to be having this as a series as well. He's going to bring this character back because, um, you know, he likes the fact that uh, she's got all the experience, and I kind of know about this because I've written about these characters in the retirement community. There is a lot of experience, you know, <laughs> when you retire and, and you have these older sleuths and solving crimes as she is. But uh, anyway, um, this is set in Washington, D.C. Mark's got some connections there as well. Um, the, the first scene opens there in D.C. with, of course, somebody getting killed because, you know, that's what he does with the murder mysteries. But this one's a thriller and involves several branches of the U.S. government, uh, the FBI and uh the CIA. We had a chance to catch up with Mark uh, and ask him a few questions and have him read a little section for the book. So uh, we're going to we're going to hear that now. Hey, Mark, it's great to have you back on the show. I'd love if you could tell our listeners a little bit about uh, your new thriller novel, Secret Lives, coming out in October 2022. I really enjoyed reading this book, and it's a little bit different than what you did before. So tell us a little bit about that. It's a different 
type of book for me because it's uh, one, it's set in Washington, D.C., where most of my other books are set in North Carolina, specifically Western North Carolina mountains. And it features a female protagonist rather than a male protagonist. Uh, one of my series has a young man who's a funeral director in a small mountain town and gets involved in mysteries in his community. And the other is uh, my Sam Blackman series, which is about a Iraqi vet who lost a leg in the war and came to Asheville to recuperate and now gets involved in crimes in the Asheville area. Uh, Secret Lives features Ethel Fiona Crestwater, an ex-FBI agent who is 75 years old and lives in a house where she rents out rooms to fellow Secret Service and FBI agents. The idea for Ethel came from a conversation I had on a plane ride from Phoenix to Charlotte several years ago. Uh, the young woman that I was sitting beside um, and I stuck, struck up a conversation and I asked her if she was stopping in Charlotte or going elsewhere. She said she was headed to Washington, D.C. to visit her great aunt. said, my aunt lives in the house she was born in and uh, she never married. Uh, and she lives as the only family member in the house. And I said, D do you worry about her? And the woman laughed and said, well, she rents out rooms to Secret Service agents and FBI agents, so we always know there's someone in the house with a gun. So that image of that, that elderly woman being surrounded by Secret Service and FBI agents kind of stuck with me, and I thought, oh, that's an interesting character. Uh, and so uh, Ethel Fiona Crestwater was born. Yeah, I love that. Uh, hey, hey, listen, Mark, um, in the course of writing this novel, since it was a little bit different, did you learn anything new about writing or about your writing process? And if so, tell us, tell us what you learned. One thing I learned in writing her was to trust her. Uh, let her talk to me, if you will, about her life, about her thoughts, about her uh, likes and dislikes. And, um, and she's at the age where she doesn't suffer fools, speaks her mind. And so I could have a lot of fun with, with her and uh, the people around her. I had to trust her to tell me her story. I didn't start with a plot outline or a uh, character, deep character study. I just started with a scene in which one of her rumors is murdered on her front lawn. And uh, it causes her to spring into action to take matters into her own hand. And so I, I had a lot of fun uh, working through a plot that Ethel could triumph through. And, uh, and I'm very pleased with the way the, the book turned out. I hope readers will be as well because. I'd like to bring Ethel back for more adventures. Yeah, I agree, Mark. I'd like to hear more from uh, Ethel. It was, uh, it was fun diving into her world. And uh, she didn't, uh, as you said, suffer fools lightly. And she got after, uh, after the men and uh, she solved the crimes and uh, got it done. So, hey, Charlotte Rose Podcast, where authors give voice to the written words. Uh, I'd like you to read a little segment. Uh, I think maybe that opening scene you were talking about uh, where there's a murder outside her rooming house. Uh, so anytime you're ready. I saw two men running away, Jesse said. One of them had a dangling arm. Brief me later. I want to check one more thing. She scooted around the rear of the Ford Escape, around the supine body, and grasping a fistful of her nightgown to avoid leaving prints, she opened the front passenger door and popped the glove box. A black pistol and an extra magazine lay on top of the vehicle's registration and insurance papers. There we go, she whispered 
There's the sig. Jessie stared open-mouthed at the petite grandmotherly woman. Brief me later? Beretta? Sig? She snapped the glove box closed and shut the door. The siren sounded only a few blocks away. Ethel stopped recording, grabbed Jessie's arm, and pulled him up on the sidewalk. She looked around. The neighbors, police, and EMTs will soon turn this into a zoo until the crime scene is secured. Did Jonathan say anything before he died? He whispered, tell Ethel the secret. At least I think that's what he said. The secret. You're sure that's what you heard? Yes, although it trailed off. Okay, Jesse, here's what we're going to do. She stepped closer to them. You'll give a statement to the police. So will I. They should question us separately. At this time, don't tell them what Jonathan said. Lie to them? No, if they ask, say he whispered something, and you're not sure what, but he didn't say what happened or who shot him. I'll tell them I came right behind you and heard nothing. Now I'm going to leave you. Leave me? You tell the police I was overcome by what happened and went inside. She started scrolling through phone contacts. What are you going to do? Call Corey Bradshaw. Who's he? Head of the Secret Service. You know their number? Ethel began walking away. Yes, but at this early hour, it will be Corey's personal cell phone. So talk to the officers and buy me a little time. I really should search Jonathan's room. The blue glow of flashing lights pulsed across the scene as racing vehicles break to a stop. Jessie watched Ethel retreat into the shadows, her phone already at her ear. He didn't know which stunned him more, the murder of Jonathan Finch or the actions of his 75-year-old landlady. For all things Charlotte Readers Podcast, check out charlottereaderspodcast.com. You can find a list of all episodes, an alphabetical guest list with links, detailed show notes for each episode, a community blog, and more. We'd love to have you visit. All right, uh, a few good books. Uh, Hannah, you're going to lead us off in this category. This is a new uh, new thing we're doing here where each episode we're going to talk about some of the books we're reading or maybe want to read, and uh, you've got a few. And then we're going to put these in the show notes, listeners, so you can go grab them there as well um, when you're ready uh, to, to read one or more of these books, and uh, we'll keep you keep you apprised of what we're reading or what we want to read. So, Hannah, you want to lead us off? Yeah, so I have been reading, I usually average like a book a week, I try to, so I'll do like, and I feel like I actually started out just reading so much nonfiction, like that was kind of my big thing growing up was nonfiction, and I've been really diving into more fiction recently. I'm reading uh, Claire and the Sun by Kazuo Ishigura right now, which is kind of a really interesting, different type of book. It's about um, an artificial friend. And so it's told entirely from that perspective, and I've really been enjoying that. And it's kind of a more emotional um, story just about, I don't know, identity and love and family and all that good stuff. And um, so I, I've been really loving that. And I've been um, really good just looks about that book, too. I'm excited yeah, and it took me a while to, like, get it. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I was just like, it was one of those things where I had it on my list forever. But I, I went into a bookstore down here in Charleston called Indigo and... Um, had it there was a book that was like destroyed had like a ripped up cover and i was like i'll take it <laughs> um, so i got it. <laughs> yeah had a story behind it 
So I've been reading that. Um, that's really great. I just finished up The Friend by Sigurd Nunez earlier this year, which was just a fantastic book about a dog <laughs> and <laughs> um, someone's relationship with their dog. And it was just so beautiful. And actually, it was recommended to me by Mary Beth Dunn, who has also been on the show in the past. It was just, I mean, she has the best recommendations. So that was really wonderful. Um, and then the library book by Susan Orlean, which is another book that I had been recommended for a long time and kind of reminds me a little bit of Kathy Pickens, who we'll hear from a little bit later on, but just true crime, but also, you know, focusing on the characters and the people behind the, uh, crime committers, if you will. So that's kind of what I've been reading and recommend. And then there's a lot of good stuff coming out in July. I was I was looking into, you know, we've got David Baldacci and Lisa Jewell, both of who have been on the show in the past. Um, very vibrant writers and people. Um, some other good stuff, like I love Ruth Ware for like a quick mystery. So the It Girl by her is coming out next month in July. And then, um, yeah, there's I feel like there's a lot. It's been a good summer for books right now what about you guys what are you getting into um well i've got my stack here let's see so lately <laughs> i've been reading <laughs> um the house inside my head which is a poetry chapbook by chris arvidson and i think we've actually got her reading one or two of her poems later in this episode so i'm super excited about that um she's a local charlotte writer who i i actually know through a library group here um, and I've had the privilege of hearing some of her work there. So I was really excited when she had this chapbook coming out and it didn't disappoint. I mean, she's she's got like a very um, kind of clean use of language, like just a really lovely style. But she also has a very sort of dry, sarcastic wit, which is great to know her in person and then also see that come through <laughs> in some of the poems as well. Um, and she I think she painted the cover image as well. It's like this beautiful little painting that she did. I'm holding this up as if I'm not recording a podcast right now, but <laughs> you can imagine it. It's, it's very lovely. <laughs> so I've been enjoying her book, The House Inside My Head. Definitely recommend that. Um, I've also been reading The Museum, A Short History of Crisis and Resilience by Samuel J. Redman. And this is nonfiction. Um, it's kind of a short history of the um, history of museums in the 20th and 21st century, primarily in America. And it's looking through the lens of certain pivotal events like world wars or like the 1918 flu pandemic, um, you know, like riots in the 70s and protests and leading up to the present day with things like COVID-19 and looking at how museums have kind of been challenged by these incidents and responded to them. Um, and for me, I'm a big museum nerd. I've always loved going to museums like ever since I was a kid. It's one of my favorite things to do when I have spare time or if I'm traveling, I want to go check out the museums. So. I've always kind of approached them just as a visitor, though, um, and it was really interesting to hear kind of more of a, an inside perspective on how people who actually work in that industry have to respond to these challenges and the questions they have to ask themselves and how they do their work. Um, and as a writer, too, it's interesting because I'm sure you're, you both heard ongoing conversations in the publishing industry about things like the own voices movement and questions of like perspective and authenticity and do people own certain stories? How do we decide? which voices should be given a platform and how we elevate voices that have been traditionally underheard or underrepresented. Um, and there's a lot of kind of similar conversations going on in the museum world right now too that are reflected in the themes of this book. So that was really mm. interesting to read about. Um, and then I'm also currently reading uh, First Person Singular, which is a short story collection by Haruki Murakami, who of course is like a Ooh. living legend, amazing writer. Um, this is actually him. my first, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's amazing. And this is the first time that I've read one of his books. He's been one of those people who for years I've heard about and wanted to read. Um, 
and I'm just kind of fitting into this now. And it's, I mean, as you can probably tell from the title, it's all first person singular narrators. <laughs> That's sort of the common yeah. thread amongst the, the stories in the book. Um, but it's just so beautifully written. I mean, he's one of those writers where you, you read his work and it's like, every word is exactly right. <laughs> you know, like yes, nothing it is. is and it's like, yeah, it's very, it is what it is. You know what I yeah. mean? There's no, like, I was actually kind of intimidated to read him for a long mm -hmm. time. Cause I'm thinking, I'm like, Oh, what if it just goes over my head? It's like, <laughs> that's it's so poetic, you know? Though. Yeah. It's just like, exactly. He's just so good. Spot on with the words. I feel exactly. like just amazing. Yeah. It's like, there's, there's never a superfluous word. Um, and there's yeah. a lot of kind of wisdom in his stories, but it doesn't feel didactic or preachy at all. Um, just right. really beautiful. And he has like a, a kind of gentle, subtle, surrealist bent as well, which I really enjoy, even though the stories feel very grounded in reality as well. Mm -hmm. um, so I can't wait to read more of his work after this, but that's what I've been digging into lately. How about you, Landis? Yeah, so um, I've been digging into audio books because um, with all the reading, I've been doing for the podcast, uh, and I'm driving back and forth to Durham to see the grandkid or up to the mountains to find some fish to catch and that kind of thing. So uh, I've been listening to audiobooks, and I've been listening through Libro.fm, and uh, this was one of the advanced reader audiobooks that I got. I, I'm not, I'm just confessing, I'm not normally a rom-com <laughs> reader. Uh, I'm offended. <laughs> but I know, except that I love, here's the thing, I love the ones that I read, like I love the plus one. Well, the book I uh, listened to was Book Lovers by Emily Henry, and it's uh, been anticipated. But the the really cool thing about this book that I like uh, as a writer is that uh, the protagonist is publicist. She works for writers. And then the love interest uh, is this uh, acquisition editor at one of the big publishers. And so it's one of these things where they meet in the business world. They both end up in this small town. And the small town is in North Carolina. I don't even know if it's a real town or not. But anyway, the, the plot is really fun. It's really interesting. And she's a really good writer. So if you want a good beach read, book lovers, you know, check it out. Uh, like all those kinds of books, they have a happy ending. But there's a lot of fun conflict along the way. And you learn a lot about uh, the book publicity industry in New York and the acquisition editor industry along the way. So that was fun. Uh, another another book I listened to recently um, recent uh, book by Kristen Chen called Counterfeit. Uh, I found that book to be interesting because I knew nothing about the counterfeit handbag industry, nor did I know that handbags cost so dang much. <laughs> did y'all know that some of those handbags are costing like eight and $12,000? I mean, ridiculous yeah, kinds of things. I have no use for that. <laughs> okay. I've used the same one for 10 years. That's fine for me. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And, and my, my handbag is just old, you know, I don't know. Anyway. So, but, in China, apparently where they make all the handbags for the big, uh, you know, Dior's and whatever's, they uh, also have all this knockoff industry going on. And it's a plot line that involves an Asian-American who went to law school, who's married to a doctor, and she's raising a baby and having a hard time with being at home. And her friend from college who is from China comes in and pitches this idea to her. They're going to swap handbags out. The, it's a kind of a cool, you know, strategy, uh, of course, it's illegal as hell, but uh, they they buy the knockoffs in China for about a thousand bucks, which normally costs twelve thousand. They go to the store and they buy the twelve thousand dollar handbag. They put that up on eBay at a five percent discount, and then they return the one they bought for a thousand to the store they paid twelve thousand for and get a eleven thousand dollar refund on their credit card. 
So anyway, wow. And then it spins <laughs> out of control. And then it spins Giving out of con- <laughs> spins out of control after that. But the interesting thing about it is, it's written in one of these kind of uh, first person narratives where, in the first act, the one of the protagonists is talking to the detective about everything that happened. In the second act, they shift to the to the other character. And the third book uh, that I've been reading, everybody knows, I think, uh, from things I've put up, that I'm a Larry McMurtry, Lonesome Dove fan. I named my dogs Gus and Lori after characters in Lonesome Dove. So when I saw this little book that Larry McMurtry wrote called Books, I was kind of intrigued. It wasn't a novel. Um, He was an antiquarian book dealer, and he had a huge bookstore with about 30,000 books uh, somewhere in Texas uh, that he moved around for a while. And this book is just talking about the antiquarian book buying and selling business. And I don't know, if you're into that kind of thing or you're curious about you know, how that world works, it's kind of a world unto itself, um, you know, you, you can check it out. Uh, it's called Books by Larry McMurtry. And that leads us into um, something we're going to be doing here on the podcast uh, with Storage Charlotte blog, a little partnership here with uh, Mark West, who runs the Storage Charlotte blog. And Mark is... Uh, uh, he's a professor at uh, UNC Charlotte. He's also uh, an author himself. And he's done this really good service uh, by having a blog that talks about stories in Charlotte. And he's going to come on on our episodes and give us, uh, you know, two minutes of recommendations. And uh, here, are, here are his recommendations uh, for this week. Hello, this is Mark West with the Storied Charlotte blog. First of all, I want to congratulate Landis and everyone associated with the Charlotte Readers podcast for reaching the the 300 mark in terms of podcasts recorded. That's quite an accomplishment. I'm looking forward to the future podcasts that I'm sure will be coming along as time marches by. Today, I want to recommend two brand new books by Charlotte Writers. One is a collection of poems by Chris Arvidson called The House Inside My Head. Many of the poems in this collection deal with places. Chris does a wonderful job of capturing the essence of a place. One of her poems in this collection deals with the Elmwood Cemetery in downtown Charlotte. And it's just a beautiful, it evokes a sense of place. Um, And I highly recommend it. I also want to recommend a brand new picture book by Charlotte Ryder, whose name is Patrice Scopo, and it's called All the Places We Call Home. This is Patrice's first picture book, and it's a beautiful picture book about places that are tied to family history. The little girl in this picture book asks her mother at bedtime about the places where her family members have lived, and the little girl feels, in a sense, at home not just in the place where she lives, but also these particular places that are tied to where her family members have lived over the years. These are great books, and I highly recommend them. I've written about both of them in my Story Charlotte blog, so just go to Story Charlotte if you want to know more. Thank you, and beyond 300, off you go. Congratulations. All right, so you heard uh, Mark... uh mention uh, Chris's book that uh, Sarah talked about earlier. And I, w- I want to say this too, that Chris was on the podcast in 2019 reading from her essay in a book about baseball written by women who love baseball. And Chris is a big baseball fan. I think it's Detroit the Tigers. If I got, if I got that wrong, Chris, I'm sure you'll send me an email and let me know. 
But uh, she's a big Tigers fan, I believe. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Mark mentioned Patrice Gopo as well in her book. And this is a, uh, a children's book. Uh, Patrice was on the podcast in early 2020 for her book of essays, All the Colors We Shall See. So it's nice to have this connection where Mark was actually recommending books by authors who have also been on the podcast. So got a little synergy going there. So there you go. And to top it off, uh, we've uh, after I listened to Mark's uh, recommendation, I reached out. Uh, and was able to get Chris to uh, upload real quick a uh, audio of her reading uh, the two poems that uh, Mark mentioned uh, in his uh, feature just now, uh, the ones about Elmwood Cemetery. And if you don't know much about Elmwood Cemetery, it's in the heart of Charlotte. Uh, it's where they buried everybody after Settler Cemetery ran out of room on Church Street. Uh, and it's... Uh, it's got a real interesting history to it. And here are her two poems about her jaunts through Elmwood Cemetery. Elmwood Cemetery, number one. We're walking in the dark each morning now, altering our route at the onset to stay in patches of light so that my propensity for falling will be abated. By the time we get to the cemetery, the morning's brilliance rises behind the railroad trestle. We search the old trees for signs of change. First will come the dogwoods with burgundy and crimson hues. And there is that ancient maple showing tangerine glints. The maintenance crew truck rumbles by with a nod. And we know that soon mowers will be replaced by blowers. Elmwood Cemetery number two, a pandemic sonnet. Old trees, ancient and durable, wave rickety and splintering in the breeze. Tall or wide, their statements immutable, even in the face of the coming freeze. Branches and limbs lean and bend, sometimes breaking with cracking violence, leaving scattered remnants later to lend the piles of curbside refuse a spiky countenance. But floating above the noise of squeaking bark, whirling and splashing around my shoes, the leaves lend grace in their dancing arcs and decorate the sky with the season's hues. The clanking and spitting of the mowers will soon be replaced with the oscillating thrum of blowers. We have an affiliation with Libro.fm because you can get audiobooks from them, and when you do, you support independent bookstores. If you'd like to sign up with them for your audiobooks, use the promo code CHARLOTTEREADER and claim your free audiobook. All right, we're in uh, scene two of Act Two. We've got an author feature, and uh, I think, Sarah, you're going to take the lead on this one. Yeah, so I'm so excited that we have Judy Goldman here on the podcast. Um, she's a local author, and I had the opportunity to hear her speak recently uh, for the Charlotte Writers Club, and she's a delightful speaker. Um, she has so much wisdom to share, but she's very humble at the same time, and um, she talked a lot about kind of her experiences just as a writer over the years and dealing with both success and failure and how you handle the two of those hand in hand. Um, so she's got a lot to share. And she's the author of seven books. Um, she's done a real variety, three memoirs, two novels, two collections of poetry. Um, her new memoir, which she's going to be talking about today, is called Child, a Memoir. And it was named a must-read book in 2022 by Katie Couric Media. 
Um, she also published a memoir called Together, a memoir of a marriage and a medical mishap in 2019, um, which was a real simple best book of the year and got a star review from Library Journal. And she has a memoir called Losing My Sister, um, which was a finalist for the memoir of the year by both the Southeast Independent Booksellers Alliance and Forward Review. Um, and her new book, Child, um, is about her relationship with Maddie Culp, who is a black woman who worked for her family as a live-in maid and helped raise her when she was a child. Um, but it's also the story of Maddie's daughter, who was left behind to be raised by someone else. And Judy, now that she's 80, is finally telling the story that she didn't think she had the right to tell, cross-examining what it was to be a privileged white child in the Jim Crow South. It's an incandescent book of small moments, heartwarming, heartbreaking, and ultimately inspiring. Yeah, I've got the book and I'm I'm looking, I've been starting it and I'm looking forward to reading it because, you know, a lot of folks that are raised in the South and I'm, that are my age came out of an era where, you know, their parents might have had some help, called themselves maids or somebody did at the time. I had one growing up as well and had a relationship with her and would love to know whatever happened to her and how she's doing. I don't think I could tell the story, but Judy, as I know, is is talking about the fact that you know, she can't really tell the story of the person who took care of her, but she can tell her story mm -hmm. about what it was like to have that relationship with her. And she's gotten some good reviews from people who've been on the podcast. I love this. Jill McCorkle, <laughs> Tommy Tomlinson, you know, they're all praising the book as well. So what else, Sarah? Yeah, I think it sounds like it's a fascinating story. I mean, there's a lot of layers there in terms of the fact that she's now 80 years old and she's telling a story about when she was a child and looking back over those decades of experience and reinterpreting not just how her life, I'm sure, has evolved over those years, but our whole society is very different. Yeah. Um, and also the fact that she's talking about her experiences, but also this other person's experiences through the lens of how mm. she saw someone else um, but can't exactly know what she lived and how she felt. Um, so there's just, there's a lot of layers there. Um, and it sounds like a really, really compelling concept. So I'm you know, excited the, to hear her read from it. The question we should have asked her was, has she remembered all that right. way back then? <laughs> <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't ask that question. Anyway, we've got, we've got it uh, ready to tee up here. We got, uh, got, got to ask her some questions. And uh, so we'll, uh, we'll play that for you right now. Hey, Judy, it's great to have you back on the podcast uh, and so happy to celebrate your new memoir, Child, here on our uh, first uh, Beyond 300 episode. Could you tell us a little bit about the origin story of this memoir and uh, how you decided you were going to write it? I started my writing career as a poet, and the very first poem I wrote as an adult was a poem about the triangle the three of us formed Maddie Culp, the black woman who worked for my family when I was growing up, the child she left behind, the child she did not raise, and then the child she did raise, me. So I wrote that poem. I showed it to my husband, Henry, and then I promptly put it away in my drawer. I never showed it to another soul. I really didn't think I had the right to tell this story. I mean, who in their right mind would tell this story? A privileged white woman writing about her black maid? Yeah, that's a good point. But uh, you did end up writing the memoir. So what changed your mind? I believe that as I was approaching the age of 80, that big number that loomed so large, that's when I finally decided if I don't write this story now, I will never tell it. And I believe that 
a boundary that I set up for myself in writing this book is what actually enabled me to write it. And that rule that I set up for myself was that I could never presume to know what Maddie was thinking. So I told the story, but it was my story, not Maddie's story. And I do have a right to tell my story. Um, Honestly, I do know what Maddie was thinking, just as she always knew what I was thinking. But for the purpose of the book, I never was inside her head. Um, any reflection that is in the book is my own reflection. So that's very interesting. Uh, hey, Judy, could you talk about uh, some of the new things you learned in writing this book? What I learned is that if you're going to write memoir, you need brief sparks of reflection throughout the book. And that was a very important piece of advice for me, particularly with this book, because I had two perspectives here. I had the child perspective, the voice of innocence, where it was just a beautiful relationship that I had with the woman who took care of me when I was little. And then I had the grown-up Judy perspective, the voice of experience, where I saw the context in which that relationship existed. I mean, our love was unwavering, but it was uneven. Look at the lack of choices that Maddie had. I had to honor that. But really and truly, I think I wanted to both glorify and vilify in this book. I wanted to glorify Maddie and our relationship, but I wanted to vilify the segregated world in which we lived. Someone told me that my book is a personal meditation in the shadow of white privilege and racism, and I wanted to hold on to that as I wrote, as I revised, that it's It's both of those things. And I believe I saw our relationship as having two parts. The first part, she took care of me. The second part, I took care of her. And that is what made our relationship a little bit different from most of these types of relationships that existed, particularly in the South in the 40s and 50s. All right, Judy. Well, uh, it's Charlotte's podcast time to give voice to your written words. So uh, if you don't mind, uh, anytime you're ready, how about reading a little scene from the book? Like thousands of white Southerners in my generation, I was raised by a black woman who had to leave her own child behind to work for a white family. At least that's what I always believed. It wasn't until I'd written several drafts of this book then happened upon unsettling information, which had been in these pages all along, that I started asking questions of the people who were still alive. And that's when I learned there was more to the story. A story that, of course, encompasses race, but also childhood, and all that occurs before we grasp the true scale of the grown-up world. These are micro-narratives Fragments that form a love story, a jumbled up love story, the ordinary moment by moment story of Maddie Culp and me from the time I was three 
until her death 63 years later. Memory is two parts. First, the re-inhabiting of the memory. The light outside our window is fading. Maddie and I sit side by side on the edge of the bed. She takes off her glasses and places them on the Bible on her bedside table, leans closer to me so that I can rub her pillowy shoulders, mostly her right shoulder, the one that always goes stiff after a day of work. My small fingers soften the knots that need softening. She whispers, you got magic in your hands. Then there's the interpreting of the memory. Our love was unwavering, but it was by definition uneven. She was hired by my parents to iron my dresses and fry my ovalite eggs, but that doesn't begin to describe the marvel she was to me. And what was I to her? How to be clear and unidealized about that? At times, I've hesitated to even talk about us. And if I couldn't talk about us, I sure couldn't write about us. Our relationship was lovely in an unlovely context. So many contradictions. If I say one thing, I could be denying something else. My opinions might really just be assumptions. Any innocence I express, simply defensiveness. Nothing. It's ever simple. But I've wanted to tell this story for as long as I can remember. I'm 80 now. There won't be a better time for me to get the details down, to try to understand the complications of a key relationship in my life, to answer that voice saying, yes, go ahead, write our story before it's lost. If you are an author who would like to be featured on the show, check out our submission process on the contact page of charlottereaderspodcast.com. Please understand that given the number of submissions we receive, we can't respond to every submission or feature everyone who submits, but with the Beyond 300 format, we are featuring more authors in many different ways. You might be interviewed or provide us some audio content for us to play or participate in an author or marketing talk or get a shout out for your publication. One way to be sure to get a mention on the show is to submit a 750-word or less blog post to our community blog on a writing or marketing topic. If it's accepted, we may have you on to discuss the content. Just go to charlottereaderspodcast.com and look for the community blog for details. All right, we're into Act 3 today of uh, Charlotte's Podcast, and we're going to be having a a combined writing and marketing talk today. Sometimes we'll have a writing talk uh, on a topic, sometimes on a marketing talk. But so happens that the, the question that we have come up with to talk about today kind of feeds into both. And that question is, can participation in a critique group and engagement in a writing community help your writing, build your audience, and market your books long term? Sounds like it has a kind of rhetorical there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we're just going to say no and move on. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Not Answer, at all. An- <laughs> answers no. All right. Act four. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway. Well, um, so before we get to how it helps you and build your audience and market your books and that kind of thing, um, sir, I know that you participate in a critique group mm-hmm. uh, regularly. I did for a little while, but then I got busy with podcasting and writing a novel and I didn't have time. So <laughs> let's talk about your experience with a critique group, kind of how it works, and what some of the benefits are 
of being in a critique group. And then maybe we'll expand this and Hannah and I can talk more about the community as a whole. Yeah. Sure. So I, I love critique groups and writing groups. Um, I'm in probably too many at this point. <laughs> like I've, I've gotten a little bit over enthusiastic. How about many? It, but <laughs> gosh, I, I don't even know, which is probably not good. <laughs> but I have, I have a few different groups that are critique groups. So they're kind of based around giving notes and feedback to each other. We read each other's work and then we give responses um, and help each other kind of build our craft. Um, I'm in some writing organizations like the Charlotte Writers Club or the Women's National Book Association has a Charlotte chapter. Um, I'm in some groups where we get together and we do writing prompts, which is just a great way to get creative and kind of take yourself away from the, the bigger projects that you're working on and try something totally different under kind of a lower stakes situation. Um, I have one group where we get together once a week with our laptops and we sit and we chat for a while and then we write for a while and then we chat for a while and we try to be quiet. but sometimes we don't succeed. <laughs> so there's there's a lot of different ways that you as a writer can get involved with other writers and find your kind of writing community. Um, and I think that the notes are hugely helpful. I mean, for me, that's really integral to my process is getting feedback from other people. Because sometimes you just have blinders on when you're writing, you know, you can't, you can't see the forest for the trees if you're too close to the story. So it's really, really helpful to get that feedback from other people. Um, and also giving feedback, I think is just as helpful as a writer, it helps you push yourself to read analytically and critically and to not just sort of respond in the subjective way, but think about, okay, why am I responding to things in a certain way? And if I were going to try to help this writer improve their work, what could I suggest that might move them in a better direction? Um, so it's really good practice to, to give people notes as well, I think. Um, and there's also just a big social benefit to being part of a writing community. I mean, writing by its nature is a very lonely thing. You know, it's one person alone with a computer or a notebook or whatever it is that you're using. And it's really helpful to get to know other people who understand that process and can support you. And sometimes when it's not going so well, maybe talk you up, <laughs> give you that little pep talk <laughs> when you need it, someone if you just need to commiserate and gripe about it, or give you good ideas and you can talk about your processes and what's working for different people and help support each other when you have something coming out that you can you know, buy each other's books, go to each other's events, support each other on social media, that sort of mm. thing. Um, so I think it's really important to kind of build that community. And, and let me mention to our listeners, and maybe, sir, you can drop this link in the show notes, but we do have your article on our community blog um, on critique groups that you wrote and put up, mm -hmm. which has got a lot of really good information in it. And listeners, we've got a lot of uh, good blog posts there and more to come because as part of Beyond 300, uh, you know, we're encouraging authors, uh, writers to submit be on the blog because you're going to get a mention if you do. In fact, we're going to mention another author today, a writer today, who submitted because it kind of ties into this uh, this discussion. Um, but but yeah, look at that article because you, you Sarah talk you talk about feedback, you talk about giving feedback, uh, getting feedback, you talk about how to be creative, networking, mm -hmm. and camaraderie, which you mentioned. But uh, you also talk about this question so. What do you do if you want to join a writer's group? You know, where do you go? How yeah. do you, you know, how do you, how do you get how in? How do you find oh. them? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. How do you find your tribe? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I went into that a little bit on the blog post, so you can check that out. Um, but for me, I think, you know, it's, it's basic, but starting with Google is always a good place to start. Like when I moved out here to Charlotte a few years ago, before I even got to town, that was one of the things I did was I Googled Charlotte writers groups or Charlotte, North Carolina writers groups. Um, and that was how I found the Charlotte writers club, which has great monthly meetings with speakers and things like that. And they also have critique groups that they host through the club. So I got involved with some of those. Um, 
looking at libraries or local bookshops, a lot of them will have groups or they might be able to point you in the direction of um, something in the area. Um, Meetup.com is another one that I've used where I found, I think when I moved to New York a couple of years ago, I found a writer's group there through meetup.com. And it's one of those things too, where it's like writers know other writers. So once you're in one, you'll probably meet other people who can point you to like, oh, I, I know this person who's starting a group out here and wants to focus on this genre or something like that. Um, so you just kind of build your network one piece at a time. But yeah, especially like getting involved with your libraries and um, your local bookstores is a great thing to do anyway, just to get to know those people. Um, and also look beyond local. Like that's been one of the great side effects of the pandemic over the past few years is writers groups have moved online in a lot of cases, or I'm in a few that are hybrid. So people who are local can be there in person, but they also have a Zoom option. Um, so you can join events at bookstores all across the country and libraries mm -hmm. all across the country. And you can find maybe groups that are more targeted towards a specific genre or something that you're working, working on. So, you know, look outside of your area too, because there's a lot of opportunities out there right now. Yeah. And so I, I, when I got uh, to the point that I decided I wanted to take writing seriously, I'd written these novel length uh, kind of Christmas books while I was still practicing law. And I wanted to learn more about writing. Um, you know, I did two things. I got involved in the writing community and I started a podcast. And, you know, there are lots of things. I'm not suggesting every author go out and start a podcast, but there are a lot of things <laughs> that, that authors can do. It's if you easy. want to start a podcast, <laughs> do it. You know, uh, find people you want to talk to and do it. But, uh, you know, and I enjoyed the critique group when I when I did it. But um, there's a time commitment there, sir, right? Because when you're in a critique group, not only are you looking for feedback, but you're also reading other people's work and giving them feedback. And I suppose there are different kinds of critique groups. There's short story, flash fiction. The novel groups probably require even even more commitment in, ter in terms of time. Is that your experience? Yeah, and every group is different. Um, so you can also you know try to find something that's a good match for your schedule and how much time you're able to commit. Um, I have groups where we might have, say, like a 2,000-word limit submission per per meeting or 3,000 words. Um, sometimes everyone who's in the group submits at every meeting. Sometimes it might be a smaller subsection. I have screenwriting groups where sometimes it's a little bit different for a screenplay versus a novel because a screenplay is a lot faster to read. So we might submit like one feature screenplay that a person has written per meeting um, and we just read the whole thing and talk about it. But every group is different. So whether you're looking for a group or even if you want to start your own, that's something that you want to think about is like how much time can you actually put into this? Because it's not just the meeting time. It's also leading up to the meeting. You're going to be doing some reading. You're going to be writing your notes. Um, I have a group where we have also like a discussion topic at the end of every meeting. So sometimes you have to pull an example from a book that you want to talk about for that. So there's a lot of different ways that it works, but it is a time commitment for sure. Um, but for me, it's totally worth it. Uh, well, let's bring our book whisperer into the conversation here, Hannah, uh, to, to talk <laughs> to talk about how uh, you know being connected to you know either a critique group or in the writing community, um, whether it be your local writing organization or something else, can can actually help you in terms of uh, promoting and marketing your books long term. Yeah, and just another note too. While you were talking, I was thinking about it's like different writing networks in each state. So like with North Carolina Writers Network, um, I feel like there's so many different resources on there as well where you can kind of get connected with folks who are, um, you know, could be doing something similar to what you're looking for. And there's like the Table Rock Writers Workshop up in the mountains um, in North Carolina. So something like that. So it's like things that can fit your schedule better. I was going to add to that, uh, Hannah, because I had this list yeah. I put together one time for this uh, 
talk I gave on building an author platform on, on different places you can connect. And of course, in Charlotte, you get Charlotte Lit, uh, you got the Charlotte Writers Club, you got Charlotte Macmillan Library, you've got WMBA Charlotte, and I'm sure there are other organizations as well. Um, right. That, uh, you know, there's open mic nights, uh, different places. The statewide organization, you mentioned the North Carolina Writers Network, there's also the North Carolina Poetry Society. Uh, you know, in the triad, there's this group called Redbud Writing Project, which is similar to yeah. Charlotte Lit. And then in the mountains, uh, there's Looking Glass Rock Writers Conference, where I went a couple of times and took courses with uh, Craig Johnson um, and, uh, you know, a couple of other uh, really great writers. And then there's the Flatiron Writers Room up in Asheville, and they have some uh, great uh, courses there. And then Wild Acres Writing Workshop. And then you got online classes. You can actually connect through some of these uh, online classes that Writer's Digest has or Lit Reactor or some of these others. And then, of course, there's yeah. writing organizations all over the state, uh, Winston-Salem Writers, High Country Writers, Pamlico Writers, and the list goes on. So yeah, there's lots of places true. to get connected. That's true. I mean, that's a good point about COVID, too, and just like one of the, you know, very few silver linings of the situation mm -hmm. has been just like that you can connect with people from all over the world and um, it's, it's just really neat because sometimes in these classes, like the writing classes that I've been involved in, you know, there's people from, it's like <laughs> a different country and you're like, how do you yeah. even find out about this? But I mean, um, and I guess that does kind of tie into the whole expanding your community aspect too, which just to get into that a little bit, it's, it's really kind of a neat thing where, um, you could start out just thinking to yourself, oh, well, I like to write a little bit. <laughs> I wrote this book, but I don't know what to do with it. And then, you know, what happens is you build your community. It's really the, the kind of um, point of all of it, right? So it's just, I think that it's something I hear a lot from authors, especially um, either debut authors or people who have kind of been toying around with a story in their mind for a long time and haven't, you know, whatever. It's just, it's scary to put yourself out there. Um, so I think that's half the battle is just kind of getting to the point where you're thinking, okay, well, do I really want to be in a critique group? Am I ready to be critiqued? This is going to make me sad or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's hard for some people, right? So, but I think um, looking at the bigger picture here, it's just kind of one of those things where it's, it can absolutely help in the main, the long-term marketing plan for whatever you decide to do. And if you do plan on putting your work out there and um, submitting to agents or like self put whatever you decide to do with your project, um, you, you kind of have a built-in audience if you've been working on your community. Um, and to me, I think that's really fun. And I don't know, that's probably a me thing in some ways too, because I like to talk. But even if you don't, it's just, it's finding like-minded people who enjoy each other. And I think... Um, a lot of the feedback that I've gotten from either clients who are in writing groups or just friends or anything like that, or people who lead writing groups, um, that's the best part is the community. Um, and then when someone in your class publishes something new, you're like, oh, wow, this is awesome. I'm definitely going to buy this. Then I'm going to tell my friend, you know, it's like, and I think, you know, talking about Judy Goldman earlier, she's kind of like a North Carolina or like a Southern legend at this point, right? Like, and part of it, it's like, but she's very present in the community. Like she's in writing groups. She does events at local bookstores. She's um, very communicative with her readers and um, on social media, whatever you want to call it. Um, and so that's a perfect example right there of just how you do that. Um, Lance, I think you do a great job of that too. You're kind of like 
all over the place at all times. I think I asked you one time, like, do you go to sleep? <laughs> when do you do that? <laughs> well, I just do it. I just it's do what true. Hannah tells me to do. That's what I do. Yeah. Uh, but, but I can be bossy, though. <laughs> a good point there. I think you there. do a great job. And I, but I would add to that by saying, you know, um, a lot of authors, you come out with your first book. I know when I came out with my first book, I've, I've got four now. Um, you're so intent on writing the book that yeah. you don't look up and think about marketing the book. You don't think about who's going to actually blurb the book. You don't. So if you're building your community, uh, when it comes time to, you know, have your blurbs put together, um, if you've got a larger community to draw from, people yeah. that you know in the writing community can blurb your book, you can blurb their book. This guy, I mean, look, I'm very grateful that um, there are a number of authors who had appeared on the podcast who uh, did reviews of my book, you know, uh, either in the book or on Amazon or Goodreads or whatever. And of course, you know, we're promoting their books on the podcast. So this sort of symbiotic relationship going on here that, uh, mm -hmm. you know, we, we like what you're doing. You, you're going to support us. So think about it that way. As I said earlier, you don't have to start a podcast, but you know, there are authors who do blogging, you know, they might feature other people's books in their newsletter. They might feature them in articles they write, or when they go to a book signing, of their own, they might mention somebody else's book that's just come out. So these are all the kind of things that authors do in the community. And I, I know, Sarah, you probably had some experience like this. Yeah, I mean, my fellow writers have been my best champions with my book and everything that I do with my writing, because they get it, you know, they understand mm -hmm. that when you have something out there, you you want and need that support from other people. They know how important it is for people to, to buy your book, to review it on Amazon or Goodreads, to promote it on social media, that sort of thing. Um, so they've been great champions for me and I love to do the same, you know, in return for them. Um, and I also just something that Hannah mentioned too, about sometimes writers are kind of nervous about getting critique and getting notes for the first time, which I totally get. And it can be nerve wracking, but I will say like, if your goal eventually is to get published or to get your work out there on a broader scale, it's less nerve wracking to get that feedback, you know, from people you trust and know, and from friends than to get it in the form of reviews from strangers. <laughs> yeah. So it's a good, <laughs> you kind of have to get over that hump first. Um, and it's a good sort of practice to, to get the notes at a point where you can actually use them and do something about it and then get yourself ready to eventually put your work out there to agents or editors and to readers within the That's world. That's a really good point. It is kind of like a step before the big jump where mm -hmm. you're sharing it with a much broader audience. And I do think it's easier to get like, feedback from people who you've been going to class with and you've formed these relationships right, with right. and you really value their opinions too. Um, but I mean, yeah, it's kind of an interesting thing where it's, it's, it's scary for a lot of people. And I think that first it's, but after the first class, I mean, I can even relate to that. Like looking back on my first class that I ever took for writing or I've done a lot of nonfiction, like essay writing classes. Cause that's kind of where my strengths are, I think in that area. Um, but it was so nerve wracking. The first class, I was like, what if I've been lying to myself for all these years about my talent? Yeah. Um, you know, but well, it's you, a you, lot of fun. You, you make a good point there, sir, about getting honest feedback and getting it from people that you, you trust. You, you certainly don't want somebody to give you feedback that says, oh, it, it was really nice. It was really good or whatever mm -hmm. you want. You don't construct. It kind of reminds me, and I hate hate to be de beating this uh, Western horse with with lonesome dove, but I know all the lines in in the book. So this this line, Jake Spoon, who is a good friend of the uh, main characters, he got in some trouble and they had to hang him. 
because it was just the code of the West. He was he got involved with some wrestlers, and his line to him was, "Well, I'd much rather be hung by my friends than my enemies." Yeah. <laughs> so so if, you're, if, if, you're, if you're in a critique group, <laughs> yeah. I'd much rather I'd much rather be have my stuff trashed by my friends than you know by my enemies because you are you are going to get those one star bot reviews I like out that. there. Yeah. Well, uh, what is it like? I feel like, and I know I've talked to you about this before. Like, it's like the you don't you're not a real writer until you get like a one star review. Yeah, or something. yeah. I've been <laughs> I, I've been collecting a few. Yeah, and so and you don't really get them until you branch out and do these promotions. Like right. you give you give away a hundred books on Goodreads. You give away like I've got a a, a, a bookbub deal coming up. Uh, well, it'll be gone by by the time this episode comes out. But you know, it's it's that kind of thing. A bunch of books will get out of there into the world, and then a bunch of people review it. Well, you're going to get people that download your book and maybe they just don't like your genre and, you know, maybe yeah. they don't like whatever. And you're going to get some. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm proud to say that uh, Deadly Declarations now has about 190 some reviews on Amazon and I've only got one one star review and I've got one wow. two star review. That's, <laughs> That's so really nice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, but you we had a, we, <laughs> we had a rejection episode on Charlotte's podcast early on and y'all can go back and listen to that if y'all want to. Uh, there's a lot of fun where we reviewed rejection letters that people got. And there was this one person, I can't remember who it was right now, but she was submitting and she was getting rejection after rejection. And so her goal was to get to 100 rejections. And she kept a big old board up there and she and her husband would cheer her on every time she got another rejection. But, but she got accepted by about 80 or 85 and it blew her it, it blew her goal of getting 100 rejections. So. <laughs> See, I think that's kind of cool, though, like using it just in that way versus getting upset. It's just like, it's kind of just one of those things. Yeah. Use it for motivation, you know? <laughs> All right. Well, we're we're going to, uh, as we said, we're going to mention uh, writers who contribute to our blog. We want to mention a writer here who contributed uh, who, um, on a topic that's close to what we're doing now, and her name is, I'm not sure I'm pronouncing it right, Sita Romero, uh, she received her MFA in creative writing from Queen's University in Charlotte. Her work's been published in print and online literary journals and before writing full-time. She worked in women's health for 15 years. She grew up in Florida, now lives in Virginia. Her debut novel, Worlds, or Words We Cannot Say, was published um, in her memoir, Vanishing Shoals, uh, is out as well, I believe. Anyway, her website is citaromero.com, but her blog post Sarah, maybe you can drop a link in the show notes there. Uh, mm-hmm. It takes a village finding your writing peers, which I thought really tied in well because the first thing she talks about is writing and loneliness. Have you ever experienced that, uh, any of y'all, in terms of writing? Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think another. I feel like you mentioned that earlier, Sarah, your whole. <laughs> you're like yeah, into yeah. the whole of writing. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely a hermit's profession, so sometimes you have to force yourself out of that writing hole. <laughs> she says writing can be a lonely business. From the time she first started taking writing seriously, she began to engage with monthly writing groups, coffee shop meetups, and online communities. And as a newly serious writer more than a decade ago, she attended classes and workshops. I mean, this sounds like a formula. The more the more I talk to authors on the podcast, the more I hear this. I mean, Steve Barry, I asked him, he's sold like millions of books in all over the world. And he said he was an overnight success, but it took 15 years for it to happen. Mm -hmm. And he started out in a little critique group, a little writing group. So uh, I do think it's important if you want to take it uh, seriously, if you want to take writing seriously, get connected with some other people, people you trust and get after it. Um, She also talks about the pandemic uh, that hit and finding uh, your people and how things can throw you a curve. But um, so she 
kind of reached out through Zoom. Didn't we learn a lot about Zoom and other virtual techniques? I mean, I had to do the whole oh, yeah. podcast virtually. Uh, it taught us some new tricks. I'm looking at a dog behind you there, Hannah. You know, speaking of dogs and yeah. tricks, you know, <laughs> did your dog do any tricks there? <laughs> there you go. Le- listeners, you can't see it, but they're two two uh, black. Uh, what are they? What are they, Hannah? Black golden doodles. They have to be right next to me all the time. So this is just <laughs> of like... course they do. <laughs> yeah exactly like looking at you, whatever. but um <laughs> you know she she sort of says uh if you aspire to write all she all i can tell you is this don't wait for an excuse to find your people that's a pretty good motto too right don't wait for an yeah, excuse to find that. your people i think another great point that she made in her post too was um the idea that being involved in writing groups can kind of expand your range like it'll push you to read people who are writing in genres that you maybe wouldn't read otherwise and likewise get feedback from people who maybe don't read your type of work regularly so it expands that that reach of you know the point of, points of view that you're exposed to um, which i think is a great point too yeah so uh Sita, thank you for contributing to our blog and uh, listeners you can go read more about what she wrote on our community blog at the website and we'll, we'll drop a link there or you can just go to the website and look under the uh, community voices tab and you'll find our community blog you'll find our community vlog and um there's a link to my Wade Scripps uh, blog as well, and I think we're going to get uh, some other bloggers maybe who are my co-hosts on there too, so we'll see how that works out too. We have a newsletter called Beyond 300, and we'd love to have you sign up. This is where we share what's coming on the podcast, provide helpful links, and keep you updated on the podcast and the hosts. You can sign up at charlottereaderspodcast.com or the websites of the hosts. LandisWade.com, SarahArcherWrites.com, or SpellboundPublicRelations.com. And by the way, we won't spam you because that takes way too much time. All right, listen, this is Act 4, Scene 1. We uh, feature award-winning Charlotte author and friend of the podcast, Kathy Pickens, in her new book, True Crime Stories of Upstate South Carolina. And then we'll wrap things up uh, with our takeaways uh, in... uh, scene two and so uh, i think you've got uh you've got the lead here hannah for kathy yeah so i'm super excited to talk a little bit about kathy pickens and have her on the show today she is someone that i know personally and have worked with her and um, i love her books she's just an incredible person and she's kind of an interesting writer as well because she has um kind of the whole true crime thing going on so she's got quite a few crime books i think there'll be eight in total Um, The most recent one being that she'll talk about today is True Crime Stories of Upstate South Carolina. But Kathy's also such a funny person (laughs) that it's like kind of interesting. You know, you talk to her and you hear her talk, which, you know, you guys will kind of pick up on this too. And I'm sure you have if you've listened to her on the show before, but she's just hilarious. She loves, she's, her laugh is contagious and um, she's just a lot of fun and she's done a lot of different things. So she also has a book called Create which offers coaching and uh, workshops for just creativity in general and how to help other writers tell their stories in the best possible way that they can that stays true to who they are as people and writers and all that good stuff. And then she has this whole other area where she's like, let's get into the serial killers. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Let's figure that out. So um, she's got that whole thing going on and she's just an incredible writer. And she um, she's got the Charleston mysteries too, which is, you know, was always kind of, that's how I first got into her stuff because I'm located here in Charleston 
Um, and she deep dove into all sorts of crazy ghost stories and stuff like that around here that, you know, I don't really venture out at night anymore. So um, thank you, Kathy. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, she's amazing. She's a lawyer and a college professor, um, crime fiction writer, and she is a true crime, column crime columnist for uh, Mystery Readers Journal. So she was also the former president of um, Sisters in Crime. Um, she's been on a bunch of different boards for mystery writing and stuff like that. She has kind of just been all over the place in terms of her writing. So she, um, she's just great. And so I will let. Yeah. Her well, I, and I, I, let me add to that too, because, uh, she's been on the podcast several times. She actually has done a couple of interviews on the podcast, like, like Sarah uh, has done. Um, we had the guest hosting situation on the podcast and as you said, she's a lot of fun and she, and she brings a lot of you know, humor and realism to the true crime stories, which is, which is fun. I, one of my favorite, yeah, she does. favorite stories from her Charlotte true crimes is about razor girl. I mean, she really brings, <laughs> brings that to life, uh, in, in her, in her book. So, uh, yeah, we got a, we got a clip here. We're going to uh, play of, uh, our discussion with Kathy and she's got a little reading from, from her book. Hey, Kathy Pickens, it's great to have you back on the uh, podcast again. Uh, you've, uh, been on the podcast, you hosted the podcast, you've, uh, You've been pretty active with it, so uh, it's great to be able to celebrate your latest true crime book, which is called True Crime Stories of Upstate South Carolina. Before we get into that, before we get into reading, uh, I'd like you to just uh, maybe tell our listeners a little bit about what drew you to writing true crime. What drew me to writing about true crime is a rather circuitous story. Um, I was first a great lover of Nancy Drew and Trixie Belden and Brains Benton and the rest of them. Um, and then I began writing mystery fiction myself, but in, I wanted to get the details right. And so I found myself reading um, true crime and biographies of police officers and forensic scientists and um, reading finally textbooks and historic cases. And in other words, I went down the rabbit hole. And in the, the nonfiction, in the true crime portion of it, I found fascinating stories. They had the same puzzle aspect that as a reader, I love in crime fiction and murder mysteries. Um, but it had characters that made it come to life. They were real people. They had real stories. They had real good sides and bad sides. There was often a poignancy to the tragedy, but as we see in our own lives, there was also some humor often, even in the middle of something um, dastardly or dire. And so I, I quite frankly, I became um, just absolutely fascinated and, and taken over by it. So when the opportunity came came to write for History Press a series of books about the true crime stories of North and South Carolina, there will ultimately be, I think, probably eight volumes, plus one I had done earlier on Charleston um, that was more of a ghost tour. Uh, it's just been a great opportunity for me to really dig into the history of this area where my family's called home for over 300 years now. So, uh, and they're fascinating stories. Okay, Kathy. So, uh, putting you on the spot here, you've written, uh, about, uh, true crime in Charlotte and in the triangle and elsewhere in North Carolina. And now you got this, uh, South Carolina 
true crime book out and more to come. So who's got better true crime stories, North Carolina or South Carolina? Which state has the best stories? That's a really hard one to answer, but I have been surprised to uncover a couple of things. Um, one is that North Carolina certainly leads these two states, and I think probably the nation from everything I've been able to uncover, in the number of female serial poisoners. And that statistic just fascinates me um, We've got Blanche Taylor Moore. We've got um, Belma Barfield. Most people know those. Fewer people know Nanny Doss, um, who was from Lexington, North Carolina. There's uh, one female serial poisoner who's actually famous in Texas, but she's from North Carolina. It just it just goes on and on. Um, so North Carolina has female serial poisoners. South Carolina, on the other hand, has serial killers. And, and in a way that North Carolina doesn't, it's not that North Carolina didn't have them, but South Carolina leads the race in that. So I'm not sure what that says about either state, but take that for, for what you will. So I'll take that to mean I should be careful in North Carolina, Kathy. But uh, so uh, what was the most surprising story that you came across uh, with this particular book? Upstate South Carolina is my um, very much my home country. Um, I grew up in Oconee County, and I lived for a while in Lancaster County, um, commuting to Charlotte from that from that part of the state. And I had no idea that 100 years after the witch trials in Salem, Massachusetts, that South Carolina had two sets of witch trials, um, one in Fairfield County and one in Lancaster County. It, it was just absolutely fascinating. And the similarities in the accusations were much the same. And, of course, the sort of otherness of the women and men who were accused, they were German settlers, um, had something to do with it. But that was quite a surprise to uncover. And um, fortunately, uh, none of the people accused were killed that wasn't a pleasant experience and there was in the one case um some violence done upon them but everyone survived but it was just very interesting i just figured we maybe don't have the same um pr departments that they have in massachusetts for these kinds of things all right kathy that's great so uh charlotte's podcast where authors give voice to the written words uh if you don't mind uh read a little scene from uh, the newest uh, true crime book that you've written, uh, and take it away whenever you're ready. In 1991, Oconee County had its own celebrated jail escapee. Doyle Arthur Cannon was incarcerated in the Oconee County Detention Center for killing a man in a knife fight. He said it was in self-defense. On May 14th, while working on a prisoner prison work detail near Salem, he was sent to pick up a load of gravel. He climbed into the county dump truck and simply drove away. Although he likely would have been granted parole at his next hearing in less than a year, he had recently heard his wife was leaving him for another man, so maybe playing by the rules just didn't make sense anymore. The dump truck alone would not have earned him a mention in Time magazine or an Associated Press release, but his repeated close escapes from as many as 100 searchers with helicopters and bloodhounds, just got more entertaining with each passing month. Doyle became something of a folk hero, complete with t-shirts, 
a ballad and an invitation to be the Grand Marshal of the July 4th Hillbilly Festival in Mountain Rest. Those in Oconee County who found it humorous were quick to say they didn't condone that he had killed a man, but even the director of the law enforcement center said, he's a hard-working guy, and I'd like to see him turn himself in. I'd hate to see him spoil his good record. Things got serious when 15 of Doyle's family members, including his 70-year-old mother, were arrested for aiding him. In July, he was captured while mowing the lawn at a house near central South Carolina. He'd been staying in Liberty with a family who thought he was from Texas. The Kiwi Courier, the local newspaper, reported that some in Salem were saying if he'd been using a riding lawnmower instead of a push mower, he could have gotten away. Charlotte Reader's podcast is on social media, and we'd love to have you follow and engage with us. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Charlotte Reader's Podcast. Check us out. Okay, great hearing from uh, Kathy Pickings there. And, um, you know, I know this has been a longer episode. Uh, maybe that's one of the takeaways. But anyway, we're, we're in scene two, final act four, uh, the final scene today of the show, and we've got our takeaways. So, hey, uh, reverse order this time. Sarah, what are your, some of your takeaways for the first Beyond 300 episode? I think my big takeaway is that writing friends are fun. <laughs> like I'm grateful to be here with, you know, you, Landis and Hannah and talking about books and talking about writers. Um, we've talked a lot about, you know, critique groups and being part of a writing community and how valuable that is. I'm excited to get to know more of the listeners, hopefully through giving us their feedback through SpeakPipe or writing into the blog or things like that. Um, I just think it's, it's really cool that we are in a world right now where we can on a global level, get to know each other as readers and writers and expand those boundaries. And so I think that's a really valuable thing to get outside of your own little writing bubble and get to know other people. So I'm excited for that. That's great. Hannah. I mean, I'm definitely going to echo everything that you just said, Sarah. I, I totally agree with that. I think it's fun to, um, it is fun to kind of be with creative people and just kick the ball around a little bit and um, I think too, a big takeaway for me is just hearing what you guys are reading. Like I'm a sucker for that kind of thing. And I think that's a lot of fun and, um, just kind of getting your take as writers on some of these topics to just kind of writers who are reading different things and what you guys are taking away from that. And, um, just kind of getting to connect on different levels and see how marketing and writing kind of bleeds together is sort of an interesting thing to me. Like, I feel like I could talk about how critique groups just audience building all that kind of stuff for like five days straight probably <laughs> it's just like a lot of fun so yeah i mean i totally agree with everything you're saying and i'm excited to see who we can bring on the show with this next chapter and learn from them too and i think um, just even listening to the podcast in general that's that's such a huge takeaway is how much you learn from these folks who are writing who are just these um you know prolific writers who've been writing so many books for so long or even debut authors who are just kind of coming onto the scene with all of these amazing new ideas and approaches to creativity. Um, so I think just, again, I guess it kind of ties back into our earlier conversation, but I think my big takeaway is just how awesome it is to have community like this to kind of come together and feel inspired. So I think that sums it up for me. That's great. Well, and my takeaway is it was, uh, well, I've got several, but, uh, it was as much fun as I thought it would be. And I'm, I'm, I'm so happy that y'all joined me, Hannah and Sarah, and you're going to be part of this uh, Beyond 300 because uh, 
And no apologies about the fact that this is going to be a very long episode. And if, if you're still listening out there, if the lights are still on in your house, if you hadn't fallen asleep by now, we're glad that you hung around and stayed with us. But as we said, you can listen in segments if you like. Uh, but we wanted to feature more authors. And, and you know, I was getting to the point, uh, one of the takeaways here is I was getting to the point that I couldn't feature all the authors in a one-author interview show. And given the different things we're going to be doing, I mean, look, we've talked about uh, – three local authors. We've talked about uh, an author who contributed to the blog. Uh, Mark West talked about two other local authors that we played a clip from. So we featured in one episode probably six authors plus the different things that y'all contributed as well. So uh, I'm really excited about that. And I'm excited about the fact that we were able to bring uh, these local authors, uh, you know, Mark and Judy and Kathy on for this first episode because, you know, those three authors, uh, Based on what they write, they really speak to the talent, you know, in this region. I mean, uh, Judy Judy Goldman with her memoir and her writing, and Mark DeCastric with his twenty-one mystery and thriller novels, and Kathy Pickens with her award-winning mysteries and now her true crime that she's really gotten into. I mean, Charlotte, the Charlotte area and the region as a whole just has, and that's probably why the North Carolina Writers Network calls us the writingest state, if that is a word. Yeah. So, uh, you know. <laughs> Uh, it is now. <laughs> it is now. So anyway, yeah, my takeaway is a lot of fun. So happy that uh, y'all joined me and are going to be uh, sharing some of the parts of things we do before and after this fun part. <laughs> you know, like getting the word, getting, <laughs> getting the word out there. So Sarah, can you tell uh, tell our listeners um, what we're going to be doing? Uh, who the authors are going to be featuring in our next episode? Yeah, so we've got some great authors coming up next time. Um, we're doing a feature with author Johnny Bernhard, where we feature her book, Hannah and Ariella, um, which is a thriller set in the Texas border that follows the underbelly of the cartels, human trafficking, and the voiceless people trapped in a justice system on the verge of collapse. We're also going to be talking with author Rick Blyweiss, um, featuring his book, Pigman Scorpion and the Barbershop Detectives, which is a mystery novel. Um, one New York Times bestselling author called it a novel full of quirky, wonderful characters and all the elements of a great and fun detective story. And we're going to be talking to Scott Gates, featuring his book Gone the Redeemer, an adventure novel where the protagonist never could have imagined being on a wanted poster, let alone becoming a notorious gold robber hunted in two states. A story that one reviewer called a fast-paced page-turner imbued with a delicious sense of adventure that turns the expected Western stereotypes on their head. Yeah, we're also going to have a couple of questions we're going to talk about uh, in the writing and marketing world. We're going to have a question, how hard is it to turn a novel into a screenplay and other screenplay writing tips? And of course, Sarah, you're going to lead that discussion because I don't know anything about that. So we'll be, Hannah and I'll be asking questions about that. Hannah, tell them what our marketing topic is going to be. We're going to talk about what a bookstagram tour is and why authors should think about doing this. Um, I think sometimes that word bookstagram is one of those things where people are like, what is that? <laughs> so we'll talk about what exactly it is and how it can benefit you in your writing. All right. So listeners, um, we appreciate you uh, spending your valuable time with us. If you made it all the way to the finish line here and, uh, you know, thank you for uh, you know, being a part of Charlotte's podcast and, and look, go check out, uh, our website, SpeakPipe, uh, send us an email, send us a voicemail. We might drop you into the podcast, your voice, and we'll talk about you. Uh, so, you know, um, do, do it and let's, let's engage. Hey, Hannah, Sarah, thanks so much for being a part of episode 301 of Charlotte's Podcast, Beyond 300. Thank you. Yay. It's great to be here.